Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. You're listening to episode number 90 with Rachel Burke. She's a bookkeeper. She was a wonderful person to talk to to kind of give you that refresher on how to set up your business for financial success and take kind of the icky feelings out of it. We had a great conversation. She has so many resources on her website and opportunities to learn more about keeping your business financially legit. That will be really, really helpful to anyone who's just getting started and a great refresh for anyone who's a few years into their business, but maybe hasn't taken the plunge and hiring the bookkeeper yet. I hope you enjoy the episode and stick around to the end uh, to hear where you can take advantage of some of her freebies, webinars, courses, etc. Kiss my aesthetic. Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag-worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice, so enjoy the episode. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic Podcast. I've got Rachel here with us. Hi, Rachel. Hi, how are you? Good. We're so excited to have you. It's such a worthy topic to keep circling back to as creatives and designers. We have so many other creatives and artists and designers, and you're coming at us with the data and the analytics and the bookkeeping. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for someone who doesn't know you quite yet. Yeah, definitely. So my name is Rachel Burke, and I'm the owner of Bookkeeping by Burke. And my name is Rachel. It's funny, so many people call me Brooke or Burke, um, but it's Rachel. Nice. (laughs) Um, And I live in San Diego with my husband and our dog, Maisie. Um, We've been here for about three years or so. Um, I'm actually from Maryland. But I started my bookkeeping business in April of 2021. So we're about a year and a few months old at this point. And our ideal dream unicorn, whatever you want to call it, clients are actually creative entrepreneurs. So we work with a ton of social media managers, marketing agencies, brand and web designers, copywriters, photographers, you name it. And we really offer full service monthly bookkeeping. So our clients don't have to worry about a thing. They don't have to touch their bookkeeping. Don't they don't have to think about it. Um, we really handle it all for them. And our goal and our job is really to help business owners pay themselves, to help them have clarity and confidence around their numbers, to help them grow their profits, and also to help them enter tax season completely stress-free, knowing that their books are totally accurate, up-to-date, in order, and they're taken care of. Oh my gosh, we have so much to cover because this can be such a like sticky subject for a lot of people. And maybe it's just me projecting from my own personal experience because I, when I started my business, was so embarrassed by how I was running my books. It took me eight years to hire a bookkeeper because, <laughs> and not because we weren't profitable, like we were plenty profitable, but I always had this feeling like I wasn't organized enough to let somebody like into my like messy closet, basically. <laughs> Good luck. And so it's going to be something that we touch on, but I kind of want to rewind back to April 2021 about how you first started and decided to kind of go out on your own, what your experience is, what you studied, like how you decided like, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to start my own thing. Give us that story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So my journey is actually very random. I, to give you that background, I went to school at the University of Maryland. I studied accounting. I worked for KPMG after college, well, in college actually, and after college. Um, KPMG is one of the big four accounting firms. I was an auditor and I hated it. Like it was horrible. The accounting industry, if anybody knows, it's very outdated. It's very boring. It's old school. It's 90% male dominated. You have to work in the office every single day. You work weekends. You work... like I would work past midnight very frequently. And that's just not the lifestyle. Like That's not me. Mm -mm. (laughs) I am not the workaholic type uh, like that at all. So I very quickly realized that I needed to get out. And I honestly, it left such a bad taste in my mouth, um, like my experience at that accounting firm, that I thought I was going to leave accounting as an industry forever. So I actually, yeah, I went into management consulting. I went into sales. I went into customer success. Like I was just trying to find what it was that I wanted to do. And I was always feeling very just kind of like stuck and unfulfilled in all of the jobs that I had. And I really didn't have 
an idea of, of what I wanted. So anyways, fast forward to January of 2021, I was itching for something more, but I didn't know what. I've always had sort of like a an entrepreneurial spirit. I've always wanted to start my own business, but I never knew what it would what I would actually start. And honestly, I didn't really think it was that realistic. Um, but anyways, it was January, which means it was COVID. I was living in San Diego. I was working from home. I just moved. So I had no friends. Um, so I had a lot of spare time and I decided to start a podcast actually, which was very random because at the time I honestly didn't even really listen to podcasts. I just knew that they were popular and I figured that it might be something that could help me figure it out, like what I wanted to do. So my podcast was actually Her Side Hustle. And I just, it was very simple and straightforward. I interviewed women who started their own business and we just talked about like their journey, their ups and downs, their advice for others wanting to, to start a business of their own. And about two months in, I interviewed a bookkeeper. And immediately, like as soon as we started talking, I knew that that was exactly what I'd been looking for. I had the accounting background. I wanted to start my own business and be my own boss. I loved working with like women and creatives and all that. And so I actually, um, right after that interview, I signed up for a bookkeeping course just to kind of like refresh my accounting, like to jog Mm -hmm. my memory since Mm -hmm. it's been a couple of years. And then two months later, I signed my first client. I started my Instagram and we've been kind of like off to the races ever since. I mentioned this before, but we hit our one year in April of this year. Um, and I actually quit my full-time job um, in April as well. So yeah, so we're I'm full-time doing this now and I haven't looked back. It, it's It's been such an awesome experience. That story is so consistent, I think, with a lot of people that I end up interviewing. It's like, I was doing this thing. It wasn't working. I had to make a change, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And if you're feeling those feelings, starting with a podcast is a great way to start. Oh my gosh, because you get to make this mutually beneficial introduction to yourself to people who you're interested in. It's exactly why I host this podcast. I've said that a hundred times. And it just kind of opens the door and kind of like creates this space to have conversation around what other people are doing. And then you end up learning something from someone. Every single person I've interviewed, I've learned something from. So absolutely. It's such a good experience. I guess I have like kind of a a story on that. Mm -hmm. It's not really a story, but one of my most recent clients, actually, I I only did my podcast for two months because once I decided I was going to do the bookkeeping route, I was like, I don't want to juggle two things at once. So I, I stopped doing the podcast, but I actually just signed on a client who she apparently listened to my podcast in the two months that I had it. And I'd been following my Instagram ever since, which is like insane. I didn't even think that anybody even really listened, but it just shows you that I don't know. Podcasts are a great way to learn from others and like build confidence um, and hear other stories and then also like make connections because you definitely, it's a very intimate thing. Totally. For me, I never wanted to have a podcast, which is the funniest thing because everything I do is visual, right? Like all of my work is visual. It's social media, it's branding, it's, it's logos. Like it doesn't really translate to an audio context at all, but I wanted a reason to reach out to people that I, that were designers that were a few years ahead of me and kind of have that pseudo friendship mentorship situation. Um, and really mine started as like an Instagram interview series. So I'd like hosted Instagram live with another person on Instagram that like had a really like great page and great following and, and big community. And, and that kind of spurred this whole thing. And then we'd finish the Instagram lives and people be like, where do I listen to this? And I'm like, nowhere. Like that's all that it is. And, um, so then it wasn't until Berta approached me, it was like, you should really make this into a podcast and I want to run it. And I was like, okay, sure. So that's how this, this originates, but it really does. It's such a, a great, tool for conducting research in like a very informal conversational connection making type of way. Love that. Yeah. So then you decide to start your bookkeeping business. You've got the clients on, um, you've got that, you quit that full-time job. We love to hear it at the one year mark. Um, and you're working with lots of different types of clients. It sounds like, so can you tell us like some of the industries of the clients that you're working for? Yeah. So it really does. Um, I have all kinds of clients, but I have, there's a lot of creatives, like the copywriters. I have quite a few photographers and videographers. I've got social media managers, marketing agencies. Um, I have a retreat planner. I have even a telemedicine, um, client. I, they, it really spans, but I would say probably 
90% of my clients are all creative um, service-based businesses. I have a hairstylist and a, a, she does like bridal hair and whatnot, um, but they're all service-based. And then a lot of them are in that kind of like creative um, realm. Yeah. So of those clients that you work with, what was their most common pain point that drove them to hiring out their bookkeeping? Yeah. So I think... Um, and this kind of goes back to, you mentioned this earlier, but so many people, so many business owners, they delay in outsourcing and getting help because they're embarrassed. They have like such, they have feelings of insecurity around their finances because they don't have a background in finance or accounting or bookkeeping. And it's like another language for them. Um, and they're embarrassed to tell others that they don't know what their income is, what their expenses are, what their profit is. They're not paying themselves. Like they have a lot of insecurities around it. And so they put it off for a really long time. And so I just want to first say that that is totally normal. Like if you are a social media manager, let's say, or a web designer, you shouldn't be hard on yourself because why should you know accounting and tax and bookkeeping? Like you mm -hmm. didn't go to school for that. So I never want businesses to feel that insecurity, but so many do. And I just want to first say that that's totally normal. Um, but honestly, the biggest, I would say, pain point that people come to me for is it's very simple. It's the fact that they just don't know their numbers. Like They might have a, a Dubsado, a HoneyBook, a Stripe account where it shows their total revenue or their income for the month um, or for the year, but that does not take into consideration any expenses or what their profit is. Um, like even just the HoneyBook fees alone are not included in that amount. So they have a very skewed view of what their true financial picture is. And so many of them are just very disorganized. They're, they're mixing business and personal. They don't really know. They have no clear vision of their finances and they're not paying themselves. Yep. So it's, it's, it's all simple um, problems, but I see it across the board, honestly, with 99% of, of the, um, the entrepreneurs and business owners that come to me. Two things. One, this is totally something that should be taught in school. Do we agree? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Basic money management, running a profit and loss statement, understanding gross versus net. Like these are all things that as an art major, like we were never taught any of this. Mm -hmm. And like, that's one of the most transferable skills for almost anything is like understanding how to manage money. Right. Absolutely. Um, the second thing is what you just described was hundred percent me. Like I had a sense for how things should go, um, but was not organized. And every time tax season would come around, like I, every year in like February, March, I would have a total breakdown, sobbing, crying, upset. And I'd call my dad because he does bookkeeping for my parents' company. Yep. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm upset. I was like, I just like, everything is a mess and nothing's adding up. And he's like, there are people whose whole job is this. Stop what you're doing. Close your computer. Walk away. Make it their mess to figure out. But there's mm -hmm. a pride and an ego in that of like when you are self-employed and you are creative and like you know what you're good at. And then to expect yourself to also be good at something that you have no experience in is not only silly, but it's kind of a waste of your time. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like me. It's like, I don't know how I'm not good at like copywriting, let's say, or I'm not, I don't know anything about SEO and why would mm -hmm. I, because I didn't, I never learned it. So mm -hmm. it kills me how hard people are on themselves about when it comes to like their finances and their numbers. And I just want everyone to realize that it's okay to not know and that there's so many people out there that are willing to help you and want to help you um, and to never be embarrassed because 99.9% .9 of the the books that I get are non-existent or totally inaccurate. So like you're not totally. alone if if you're out trying to get some help and you're you're afraid that it's all wrong because it's typically going to be wrong if it's if it's you doing it versus like a professional. Well, and it's a it's a mindset shift also, right? Like for example, I'm working with a nutritionist right now and she's really working on everyone's mindset around like weight and the scale. She's like, you can have all these um, this emotional baggage and like all this unlearning that you have to do, but this is just a data point. This just gives us, did you have more water? Are you dehydrated? Did you train really hard? Did you have a lot of salty food? Like the actual number on the scale isn't really indicative of anything other than just data. And I think that that is also can be kind of transferred to the financial side of things from a business is like when you take the emotions and like the shame and the embarrassment and like all these layers out of it and you just say, this is simply data 
like it doesn't define my worth. It doesn't define my creativity or my growth or my potential or my quality. It's simply data. It, it kind of helps separate that. Do you notice that with your clients? You're working with majority female, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I actually work with all females. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love it. But yeah, it is just data. Like you're spot on. And honestly, something that I also want to point out and that I see is is the comparison game. Like mm. if you make $5,000 in profit versus somebody that makes $20,000 in profit, like the person who makes $5,000 in profit might work 10 hours a month and live a wonderful life and get to spend so much time with their children. Whereas the person that's making 20 plus thousand a month, they might be miserable. Like, so Mm -hmm. it's just data and it it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, It's all about like what you want and what your specific lifestyle is, what your needs are, like why you started your business. That is um, what really matters. And, and finances are just a tool to help you honestly kind of stay in, stay in business and do what you love. Um, it really is just that that data point and and yeah, don't compare yourself and where you are in your journey because there's always somebody somebody unhappier, there's someone happier, there's someone behind you, there's someone ahead. Like it's yeah. Yeah, you brought up an interesting um point and an interesting pet peeve of mine when it comes to social. And I'm sure we've all either seen it or fell victim to it, is seeing people explicitly share their revenue. Oh yeah on online, which is, it's two, it's two sided coin here, right? It's really inspiring to see someone absolutely crush it and to see those numbers and to have them say, I had a $60,000 launch, but what that's not always illustrating is the costs, right? So explain kind of that dichotomy between like, we, of course we want to uplift and celebrate women and like, make sure that their successes are, are celebrated, but how does that kind of lead down a slippery slope when it's not transparent. Yeah. So going back to the kind of like basics in accounting. So there's a huge difference between revenue or income, you know, whatever you want to call it, revenue versus profit. And like you're like what you were just saying, there's a a balance between entrepreneurs and business owners, like being transparent about their finances and sharing it in hopes of empowering others who are, you know, not there yet and, and motivating them and like showing them that it's possible. But there's a fine line between being like shady about it and stating you had a $60,000 course launch when you had $50,000 in expenses because you're running all kinds of Facebook ads and you hired a course creation, like a course creating company or whatever. And that's where it gets very like shady and just not genuine. And you're, you're sharing that for the wrong reasons. So I just encourage everybody to, when they do see another business sharing their finances, to take it with a grain of salt. Um, and if you yourself are going to share your own finances and and just make sure that your intentions are pure um, Mm -hmm. and make sure that you are sharing accurate data. Um, Don't say you had a six figure launch if it, your profit was really $10,000, you know, (laughs) like, yeah. And that's, that's the tricky thing with this online entrepreneurship space is it grew so freaking fast and it's also so unregulated. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you can't buy something at the grocery store without it being FDA approved, right? Like yeah. most things, products, right? You you don't buy shampoo at Target without it having to be approved by somebody somewhere along the line to be able to be sold at Target. But you can go on the internet and buy a course from someone that could absolutely be lying to you. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Or buy a digital download or something and or even listening to a podcast of someone that doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. So there's it's really on I feel like the consumer to like do that research and make sure that there's qualitative stuff behind who you're buying from and who you're working with and and that they're not only they're not only trying to like hook you with the money side but that they actually have the results, right? Exactly. That they have yep. the testimonials and they have the social proof that like what they're doing is legit. Anyway, kind of a tangent, but are there any other (laughs) pet peeves socially, like on social media that you see around your industry with more like the back end, the business finance, stuff like that, where you're like, God, I can't believe people are falling for this. Um, Ooh, 
Okay. So one I would say is you, there are a lot of bookkeepers out there. There are a lot of tax preparers out there. And this is a, an industry where it's really not black and white. Um, taxes, tax deductions specifically are very gray and you will find one tax preparer who will say you can deduct something. Whereas another tax preparer will say that's like very against the IRS rules. So I would just be careful with when, if you are to hire a tax preparer to hire a bookkeeper, just do your research and your due diligence and just know that just be careful, I guess, because I see so many people wanting to deduct literally everything in their business and you just can't do that. And it's not worth it. Like deducting a $200 X, Y, and Z that it, it truly isn't a write-off, but just because you want to write it off and somebody says you can, like, you just need to be careful because if you are audited, it's a horrible experience. It's really not fun. Um, so yeah, just be careful with the things that you write off like a big one is clothing, right? You really shouldn't be writing your clothing off. Like if you buy an adorable dress and you wear it in a TikTok or an Instagram reel, like that's not a deduction. Yeah. Some tax preparers will tell you that it is. Um, some will tell you that it's not. I'm telling you that in, I personally don't believe it is. Somebody right. will disagree with me. So yeah, just really be careful with your deductions. And that's always why it's good to have a bookkeeper and accountant like in your back corner to to bounce ideas off of. Um, but that's definitely a big one that I see. Another pet peeve that I have is just the Venmo. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I went to the farmer's market and every single vendor was using Venmo. And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It kills me. I same. It's funny. I just went to the Hillcrest. You're San Diego, right? Uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. I just went to um, the farmer's market last weekend and I bought a coffee and it was I just use their personal Venmo and I'm like, ah, oh, this is so, so messy. Against, yeah. Right? So against the rules. Yeah. Okay, so but, explain, explain why that's not a good idea. Basically, for example, Venmo um, or any other cash app, they were created for friends and family. Like Venmo did not personal expenses. The yeah, the creators did not build this platform to be used for business. They have Venmo for business now because so ma many business owners were using it when it was against their terms and conditions, mm -hmm. but still so many, excuse me, business owners are using Venmo personal. There's really, really bad reporting. It's, it's truly like minimal reporting, which is just not good. You can't see, I could send you money. I have no idea what I spent, like why I sent you a hundred dollars. You could send me money. There's no reporting. Um, it's really hard to reconcile payments because if you send me $50 and then I send somebody $10 and then I spend um, the 40 remaining dollars, I transfer it to my bank. Like the reconciliations get all messed up in terms of like the bookkeeping. It doesn't integrate with any accounting software. There's no security. Like if I send you money and I incorrectly like add in your, you know, type in your username or your phone number, I can't get that money back if that person doesn't refund it. Like there's no protection. There's just a lot of things that aren't great about it. Um, it's great for personal use. I love it for personal life, but for business, sure. it's really not smart. So I always, always, always recommend using a payment processor. My favorite is Stripe, um, but there are tons out there. There's Square, there's HoneyBook, um, PayPal, Goods and Services. Always, just always use one. And a lot of people shy away from payment processors because there is that fee, but just bump your prices up by whatever that is, 3%. And that totally. will cover, totally. that'll cover it. <laughs> and that, that's so. one of those things that's like, that's the cost of doing business, right? Exactly. So if you want to get paid quickly, easily, and make a great experience for your customer, you're going to offer something that's easy to use and keeps your books clean. Perfect example in a cautionary tale, I had a client who was a spirit reader medium, and she was only taking payments through Venmo, and she was making so much money, Venmo shut her down, and they absolutely oh, yeah. closed her, and they're like, you need to use a business account, and she yeah. freaked because her whole profile was like she couldn't access because it was so clear that she was using it for business purposes, and they have a business tool, and this isn't Venmo's way of trying to back people into a corner. This is them protecting themselves from, yeah. from so much mess and saying like, listen, we have a tool for this. Do you have suggestions? So you said Stripe. Do you have other suggestions for tools that are kind of like at that beginner range? Like I used Harvest for a really long time um, that are kind of invoicing payment softwares um, that could kind of get people in the habit 
of, of sending legit invoices and getting paid for them. Yeah. So, um, a few thoughts in terms of invoicing, there's so many ways that you could send out invoices. Um, but the most popular, either your accounting software. So if you have zero or QuickBooks, those are the two biggest accounting softwares. They allow you to invoice directly from their platform. But also if you use the payment processor, most of them will also allow you to invoice and collect payments. So mm-hmm. Stripe, Square, PayPal, goods and services, not the friends and family, mm-hmm. but goods and services. There's, oh gosh, um, HoneyBook is a really popular one with a lot of like my photographers and and um, like salon owners and stuff that I work with. Oh, also, so Go Cardless actually is one that I use. This one's not as popular, but it's way cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically the difference is with like a Stripe, let's say, clients can pay with their credit card. Whereas with Go Cardless, you actually, it would be an ACH transfer. transfer. So it'd be bank to bank. So it actually only the the maximum fee that I get charged when I use Go Cardless is 250 which is nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's not as convenient because instead of the client putting in their credit card information, they have to put in like their routing number when they first get it set up. But if you are in an industry where you have recurring payments, like I am, um, they set it up once and just they're on now a a repeating subscription and I pay $250. Whereas my other, my Stripe clients, I'm paying way more in bank fees. So that's another good one. Totally. No, those are good, good reminders to keep in mind. And I think for anybody starting out, just figure out what tool you want to use and kind of stick with it for a, a good amount of time until you feel comfortable of like realizing, okay, this is how the system works. And this is how I'm tracking my numbers every month or, you know, every quarter, whatever that looks like. There's something I've been dying to tell you about, and it's something that I'm keeping on the hush hush. So like, don't tell everybody. Okay. One of the things I notice with our brand design clients is that they go through the brand design process and they get all their new logos, fonts, colors, patterns, icons, everything. And then they're not totally sure how they're supposed to be using them on social media. Enter the one-on-one kiss my assets Canva sprint day. I know that's a mouthful. Stay with me. Basically, this is a three-hour session with me that is part assets, part strategy, part clarity, and low-key Canva training on how to use all of your brand elements together to make templates that you can then DIY for your biz. So think post templates, stories, graphics, email graphics, anything that you are going to be making on a regular basis on behalf of your business, we can create them together in a three-hour sprint inside your Canva account. You can walk away with those templates right at the end of the session and put them straight to use. These can be booked on my website. There are only a limited number of spots per month to book the one-on-one day. And the link that you're going to want to look for is mkwcreative.co slash kissmyassets. That's mkwcreative.co slash kiss, K-I-S-S, my assets, A-S-S-E-T-S. Get it? Like social assets. Kiss my ass. You know, we're being funny. We're a little cheeky. Uh, But the plan here is to really create as much content for you as we possibly can so that you can go out there and DIY your brand in the best bragworthy version of what you envision for your business and really kind of get those clients rolling in. Check that out. Book it online. You can book it anytime. There are a limited number of spots per month. So if I were you, I'd get on it sooner rather than later. Back to the episode. I think that I definitely want to circle back to what you said about deductions, because like you said, there's some, some bookkeepers that will be really aggressive with the deductions and some not so much. What are some deductions you've been able to claim for your clients without maybe even getting too much into the details that people maybe don't think of that are a deduction? Um, so honestly, a huge one is everything in your office. Like, and it Mm. it sounds obvious, like, of course you can deduct like your laptop or your pens, but like if you purchase any decor in your office, like Mm. you can deduct all of that, like a picture frame, you know, if you have a TV in your office, if you have a rug, like literally a chair, anything like that, you can deduct it all. If you use like audible, or mm-hmm. Spotify. Cause mm-hmm. if you think about it, like if you go to a dentist office, they always have music playing in the background. So if you like to work with music, you can deduct your Spotify subscription. So that's like another one that I think people forget about coffee. Obviously you shouldn't deduct all of the coffee that you would like store in your house, but like you definitely could deduct 
coffee because you drink like I have a cup of coffee right here. I drink it in my office every morning. So that stuff and also your office in general, like you can deduct your granted, you needed a tax repair to perform the calculations, but just your office space, that's definitely a deduction as well. So those are some big ones. Um, All of the software that you use, like that's obviously a, I'm sure everybody knows that, but that ends up being one of the biggest ones that I see meals, travel, like if you, um, I don't know, take a client to get coffee or something like that, or if you take your contractor for lunch, that's a big one. I think there's also a thing of like, I, I see this all the time with super new business owners is they'll, they'll like go to coffee and be like, it's on me business expense. And it's like, you know, you still have to like, it doesn't make that doesn't make it free though. Like yes. it just means that you're claiming it on your taxes as an expense. It's yes. not like that. It's not like you paying for everyone's coffee means that it's free coffee. I yeah. think that, again, that's something we don't learn in school. And I don't mean to like trivialize it because if you've never learned it, how could you know? But how do you explain that to someone who's maybe just racking up the card of like, oh yeah, I have a business now so I can pay for all these things. Like, how do you explain to them what a legit business expense is versus just running your card for something? Yeah. So it's like, that reminds me of like the Schitt's Creek episode where he's just buying all of the most expensive clothing because he thinks it's a write-off. And it's like, yes, write-offs are, they're perks for a business, like their benefits but that doesn't mean that you should go crazy with your credit card. It's, I guess a, a way to think about it is like with a credit card um, and like credit card points. Like mm-hmm. you, like a, lo- a lot of people, like let's say you go out to dinner and you're like, oh, I'll put it on my card because I get like the credit card points. Like, yeah, credit card points are a benefit for having a credit card, but that doesn't mean that you should try to max out your credit card all of the time no. just so you can get the benefits because the benefits are way less than you know, like the, the expense. Yeah, the expense. So it's similar with like a business owner. Like you should only spend money on things that are necessary in your business. Like don't spend totally. money on something just to, to write it off because that's just foolish, honestly. Like I don't know how else to right. No, totally. To explain totally. it. But totally. So for example, I just started golfing. Like golf is something I'm doing for fun. But if I'm golfing with people that are my clients or that are my team members or that are my prospective clients, business expense or no? So actually entertainment is no longer a a deduction. Yeah. So it used to be meals and entertainment and entertainment is not a deduction anymore. So you can't take your clients and take them to a concert and say, oh yeah, well, I paid for their tickets because it's a, I'm treating them to a concert. It's an entertainment expense. Wow. The IRS. Yeah. The IRS is actually saying you can't do that anymore. So oh, fun so fact. the old boys club is going to get very mm-hmm. upset about that one. Dang. Yep. Cause that's what yep. I always think of. Like whenever I think business expense, I think, and this is where like, again, I think with the pandemic and with work remote and work from home and everybody starting their own businesses, like it really is shaking up. We are living ahead of the tax code in a lot of ways, right? Because there's no way that all these laws have already been written to accommodate for everyone's individual work situation. But when I was a digital nomad traveling from like 2017 to 2019, and I was living in entrepreneurship houses in Bali and in Costa Rica and wherever, like I was networking and like, yeah, I was there, but I was there giving presentations and networking and getting to know other entrepreneurs. And so we got to claim that as a deduction on my taxes. And when you're abroad, that's when we pulled the like per diem rate. So like technically my deduction was way more than what I was spending in those places. And in that way, it really worked in my favor. I got a little bit of a refund. So that was also just a sneaky thing of like, we're the, the laws have not caught up. And it was this, I was living really healthily in this gray area and got to use that. How do you think that's going to change with how many people are working remote and how many people are working, for example, across state lines? Like, mm-hmm. because what would stop you? It would be way cheaper, way advantageous for me to establish my business in Nevada, even mm-hmm. if all my clients are in California, than to own my business in California. How do you feel like that's going to get reconciled? That's what kind of honestly, like, with the IRS, they are so slow. They are 10, 15 years behind the times, like at all times. So even with this like new world of the online, like the influencers and all of like the advertising and the marketing and stuff, like that's so behind. And I truly do think 
in the next however many years, you will like influencers will be able to start deducting like all of the clothing expenses and whatnot. It's just that the IRS is really behind. And I do think that they will catch up, but they just haven't yet because they're historic. They have to, if you think about how long it takes to change laws, like it, it takes, it's a very slow, tedious process. Um, a lot of people have to review it and whatnot. So it's just, they're always behind. But it is going to be interesting to see how everything kind of shifts because like with COVID, people can travel all over. And I think the IRS is actually going to really start cracking down. I, I know that they just hired like over 80,000 employees. I think that just came out the other day. So I think that they're going to really start cracking down because they are losing like billions and billions of dollars. Like for an example, sales tax. Totally. So so many states, it's insane the amount of money that states lose out because sales tax, like so many business owners that are small or big, are mainly the small ones because they don't know how sales tax works. They're not collecting it. They're not remitting it. And the states are losing out on in like insane amounts of of money. And that's a no-no. Like they don't like that. So they're all cracking down. Like even Venmo, for instance, they are now before um they had like a limit where it was if you like spent money or if you um I'd have to double check on this, but it was like if you hit the threshold was like twenty thousand dollars. And if you went above that threshold of how much you like spent or received and don't I want to preface this with saying that I need to clarify this, but it was like $20,000 threshold. Um, You were kind of like under the radar with them, but the IRS just changed the rules where now it's like if you spend or receive $600 on Venmo that you get a 1099 form. Yeah. So like the IRS is really cracking down on a lot of things. And I think over the next few years, like businesses need to be very, very careful with their finances, what they're trying to deduct, what they're not trying to deduct, um, and keeping track of receipts. Because if you get audited, the, the IRS wants a receipt and they're not going to accept the bank statement. You need your, right. your original source document. So just making sure that you have an explanation for all of your expenses. If you're traveling, you have to prove that you were there for business or you you at least worked like 75% of that, that trip or whatever that amount was, you just need to be able to prove it to them. But I do think that the laws are going to change and they always change. Historically, the laws are, tax laws are constantly changing. So it's always hard to keep up, honestly. Oh, they have to. And I think there's so much like corrective stuff that's being done now because of the financial hit people took from COVID that that factors into it. Um, But I think like also there's people that will give like really shady bookkeeping advice. Like for example, my sister's a wedding planner and she was just telling me about how she was at a bachelorette party and her friends were like, you know, you should just only claim the deposit on your taxes and then take the rest of the payment in cash. And then you don't have to pay taxes on the cash. And she's like, yes, you do. (laughs) I need to claim it as income. Income is income. She's like, no, no, just do it under the table. She's like, so you want me to commit tax fraud? Like, is what you're saying? She's like, I'd like to stay in business for like decades. So why would I want to jeopardize my business in that way? That's the thing. It's just, it's not worth it. Like, Yes, of course, people want to save money. Like nobody likes paying taxes. I hate paying taxes, but it's not worth it. If you take your business seriously and you don't want to get in trouble, why are you going to put yourself in a situation where if you got caught, you would get in trouble? Like I had one person reach out to me and they were making a lot of revenue and they tried asking me to only only include the expenses on their profit and loss for their taxes and to just ignore the revenue. And I was like, like, I can't no. even believe you're asking me. Yeah, this. Like, no. yeah, it's just, just everybody, I think just needs to realize that just don't, even if you want to save money, it's not worth it. If you take your business seriously, just do things the right way. You will sleep better at night. You won't get in trouble and your business will be so much more like you'll be set up for a success in the long run. Totally. And besides that, that's just terrible karma. That's yeah. just terrible yeah. business <laughs> karma. Like, and, and we're creating, we're continuing to contribute to the problems that plague our society, in my opinion, to go not to try to get political about it, but like, if we want all these nice things and all the benefits of living in this country and the opportunities to be business owners and entrepreneurs and you want the fire department to show up when your house is on fire and you want your potholes to be fixed on your roads and you want to have a park to walk your dog. Like you got to pl- we've got to contribute. And like at the end of the day, that's what I tell myself about taxes. Like granted, it does go to other things that are are dysfunctional, but welcome to government. But there, you know, like that's part of being and participating in a society that allowed you to have the business in the first place. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. No, I I, I agree. <laughs> you're speaking. So, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> I know. Here we are, right? Um, the other question I wanted to ask you, which has been coming up a lot when I've been hosting like TikTok lives or within the Facebook group, is when to invest in that next level when you feel that you've plateaued. So there's a few plateaus, and I've I've talked about this on my social before. Of like the first light bulb switch that then lends itself to kind of a plateau is like, oh, I could start a business. I'm going to charge hourly, and then they kind of hit this hourly plateau, and they're like, wait a second, by charging hourly, I'm not actually getting paid for what I know. I'm getting paid for what I know how to do. The technician versus the strategist, and then you kind of hit that light bulb. And you're like, all right, now I've got these service offerings, and it's going along and it's going fine, but I'm not really like hitting that next step. So let's, let's put ourselves where that person is. They're a solopreneur. They're really good at what they do. They have the packages, they have happy clients. And now they're like, I'm out of hours in the day. Where should they invest next? So I have, I have various thoughts on this. Um, and I think that the first thing that I want to touch on is that you really need to get back to the basics if you are, you know, if you have a business and you have clients and you're, you know, you're growing and whatnot, you need to first make sure that you have a crystal clear view of your finances. And I know that sounds so obvious and, and like, of course, duh, Rachel, but it really is true. And I see so many business owners that are running incredibly successful businesses, but they come to me and they're like, I don't know if I can hire a contractor. I need the help desperately, but I don't know if I can afford it. And it's because that they, they didn't have a bookkeeper. They had no clue what their true financial position was. So as obvious as it sounds, you need to just go back to the basics, your foundations and know how much is coming into your business and revenue, how much is going out in expenses and how much profit is left over. And from there, then you can make strategic business decisions. Because if you don't know how much at the end of the day you're taking, like you have left um, Mm -hmm. in profit, Mm -hmm. how do you know if you can invest in software or a course or a coach or a contractor? Like you, Mm -hmm. you don't. Um, I've seen businesses, they make a hundred grand in revenue and they spend 95 grand in expenses and they have $5,000 in profit left over. And they're like, where the heck is my money going? And it's because they don't have, they don't have a clue, you know, truly like what's going on. So step number one, make sure that you know, your numbers, like really get crystal clear on them. If you need help, get help. If you can do it yourself, that's awesome. But just make sure that you know your numbers. And then from there, a, a rule that I like to follow is the 50-30 rule. And you may have heard this before, but basically what you do is you take all of your profit. So 100% of your profit, you take that, you pay yourself 50%. So you, and you should pay yourself first, like before you pay your expenses, before you save for taxes, um, before you do invest in anything in your business, pay yourself salary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you need to pay yourself to survive. So pay yourself 50%. So if you made $10,000 in profit, pay transfer 5,000 from your business bank account to your personal account. So do that 30%. You should be saving for taxes. Taxes are really sucky. They're really expensive for business owners, but they are, you can't escape them. Um, and the worst thing that you can do to yourself and your business is not have enough to pay them when they are due. So always set aside 30% of your taxes for, or 30% of your profit for taxes. So that would be 3000 of that 10,000. And then the remaining is 20%. That is how much you should be investing in your business. So spending on those expenses that we talked about, hiring, outsourcing, investing in courses and coaches, um, like whatever, whatever it is that you want to do, redo your website. Um, only 2000 of that 10,000 should be spent on, on those expenses and investments in your business. And I think that's a really good rule to follow because I see the biggest issue that I see is everybody is paying their expenses first, then they're setting aside money for taxes and then there's nothing left to pay themselves. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's a problem. And then also one kind of like last kind of like comment on that is you really need to set budgets and goals for yourself and your business. And you also need to take into consideration what your wants are, what your lifestyle is, like your needs are and whatnot. So once you know your numbers, you need to then decide, like if you're making $5,000 in profit a month and you, you know, you really want to hire a business coach who's super successful and she's the best business coach ever, but she's, she's $3,000 a month. Like you shouldn't be 
spending that money on her. It doesn't make sense. So set goals for yourself. Tell yourself, all right, I can't afford that yet because I know I only have 5,000 in profit and she costs, she would take 3,000 of that away from me. But let's set a goal and say, when I reach $8,000, then I can afford her or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then figure out ways to get there. Mm-hmm. Look at your, your finances. So what revenue streams are generating the most money for you? Where can you cut costs maybe? Like, do you have a virtual assistant who's maybe not adding as much value as you had hoped that she would is one of your revenue streams, like generating significantly more than another. Are you spending 80% of your time on this one revenue stream? That's really not bringing in all that much money. Whereas the other one is bringing in way more and you only dedicate five hours a week to it. Like you just really need to look at your numbers and make strategic business decisions from them and then set your goals, set your budgets, review them on a consistent basis. Like Schedule time in your calendar to set money dates with yourself. Follow that 50, 30, 20 rule. And from there, you'll quickly see that you are going to be able to start hitting your goals and increasing that profit, which then in turn allows you to continue to expand your business and invest in yourself and your business. Um, And you will see growth. That's one of my favorite things that my bookkeeper is doing for us now is the financial forecasting. To say like, okay, based on this data and based on where you were at last year and based on what projects you have in the pipeline, here's kind of what the rest of your year could look like. And that once I have that visual in my head of like, oh, okay, now it's a game, me versus myself. Like, are we going to hit that? Are we going to blow past that and like, just go for it? That makes it more fun in the same way that if I go to the gym as many days a month as I've outlined for myself, I let myself get a new outfit. So Mm, you know what I mean? Like it's incentivizing and you can motivate yourself in not a a punishing way, because I feel like there's also that bad habit of people who like get messy with their books or they have a slow month and all of a sudden they like slash everything and they like get rid of all their subscriptions and they do all this stuff. And they like basically put themselves on this, on this financial purge, which is also not sustainable. So it's about knowing those numbers, being proactive and kind of getting yourself into that flow. Um, Just because it's a great reminder. And I feel like it's a good thing for everyone to know. Can you explain the difference between a contractor and an employee? Yeah. So basically the biggest difference is with a contractor, you hire them and they really are the ones dictating how they're going to perform the service for you. Like they're in full control. So if I hire a web designer, I'm not going in and telling them how to do their job. They know how to do it. They have the specialty and they are kind of, I, you know, we'll work together and I will give them ideas on what I'm looking for. But at the end of the day, they have their own way of doing things. I am not sitting there telling them that they have to be working 10 hours a week for me. Like they set the, they set their hours, they choose their work location, they're supplying their, their equipment. Um, they are their own boss. I am not their boss. Um, they have their own company. That's a contractor and a contractor. I don't have to do anything in terms of like payroll taxes with them. Like I don't pay them a payroll. They are not, they're in charge of their own, their own self-employment taxes. I just send them the money that we agree upon and that's kind of it. And I can send them the money through a payment processor like Stripe, like we talked about. So that's a contractor. An employee is different because I am the boss. I am telling them when they're working, I'm telling them how should how they should be doing their work. I'm training them. I'm providing them with equipment a lot of the times. I'm also required to run payroll. So I'm using a payroll processing software like Augusto or an ADP where I am running that payroll and I am paying payroll taxes. So it really comes down to... Um, one, the taxes. So do you have tax, like who's in charge of the taxes? Is it me? Is it the, is it the contractor? And then also the level of control. If the contractor has all of the control, they or if the individual has all of the control, they are a contractor, a freelancer. If I'm the one dictating, you know, everything and I have the control, then they are an employee. And it's really important to set that boundary because the IRS is strict, <laughs> is strict on it. Um, so definitely make sure that you know the difference. I actually have a um, a twenty point test, so it's it's twenty questions, and you say yes or no to them, and based on your answers, it actually tells you if you are if that person is a contractor or an employee. Mm. Um, so I can definitely, yeah, if people want that, I can send you like a, a link or yeah, something for it. Yeah, it we'll, it make really sure, we'll make sure that gets linked in the show notes, which is actually a great segue into, I'd love for you to just run through 
everything that you've got to offer and how people can get more information from you. Because if definitely if they listened this far into the episode, they want more of what you've got. So tell us everywhere that they can take advantage of like your freebies and you've got a webinar, courses, mm-hmm. things like that. Sure. Yeah. So I have um, a good chunk of freebies on my website. So if you go to bookkeepingbyburke.com, there are freebies on there. I also um, sell income and expense spreadsheet. Um, So this is a really good solution for the newer businesses who really can't afford a bookkeeper. They don't have the money to outsource. And it's it's a Google spreadsheet. You pay for it once. It's $127. And that's how you track your income and expenses for the year. There's a profit and loss um, tab on there that is calculated for you. There's a goal and budgeting tab. Um, there's lots of like pretty graphs and visuals. So I have that. That's a really, really good option for those who need to kind of DIY it until they can scale um, further and outsource. So I have that. That's also on my website. I, of course, offer monthly bookkeeping, which is that full service bookkeeping that I, I mentioned. And like I said, we're truly taking the bookkeeping off of your hands. That's You can inquire about that on my website and learn more. Um, and I offer free discovery calls and consultations. So we can just schedule time, chat about you, your needs, your business. You can pick my brain. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. Um, and you can um, schedule time to do that as well on my website. So that's bookkeepingbyburk.com. Perfect. Um, you can also find me. My Instagram is also bookkeeping by Burke. Amazing. Um, and then one last thing. Yeah. You might, so my course, so I'm actually coming out with a course it's called a uh, six figure service provider. And it's really a step-by-step guide or a course for brainstorming, creating, building, launching, growing, scaling, um, a service-based business. So we cover truly like all of the foundations, everything I wish I had known when I first started my business, ranging from all of the things like setting up systems, even from the base, the basics of like service, ser- what is a service provider side hustle versus, um, full-time job, like finding your niche, but then going into like legal finances, marketing, growing a team, all of the things. So that's going to be coming out within the next month. Um, So I will also give you that information, but that'll all, this will all be on my website. Amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for all of your insights, your suggestions, your tips. I feel like we covered so much. There's so much in the bookkeeping and financial space that it's so nice to have a refresher on this like every season for the podcast. So thank you so much for dropping the knowledge and encouraging people that really like you can kind of take the the feels out of it and look at it really just as data as like a way to for you to learn more about your business, make informed decisions and and grow and scale and all those good things. Yeah, 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 definitely. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.